Hello, and welcome to another episode of Goddess of Crypto. I am delighted to have with me today Brandy Reynolds. She is the managing director of the Bates Group, which is a story we are going to get into in a little bit, but she handles compliance with state and federal laws, which is very important in the crypto space. And Brandy and I ran into each other. We had a fated meeting, I will say, at this last year's Bitcoin conference when I got into a conversation with her because I was wearing my Goddess Crypto t-shirt. The sacred divine feminine is creative, abundant, flowing, receiving, and disruptive. And the new energy of money, including cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and even the metaverse, is all these things too. Welcome to the Goddess of Crypto, a weekly show where women who are already in this powerful space will cover these topics simply, so you can relax into knowing that the future of finance is female. So, Brandy, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. What a lovely series of coincidences led us to this moment. I'm so grateful. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, no, thank you so much for that. So I'm Brandy Reynolds. I am the founder of Corecom, a consulting firm focuses on state and federal compliance. Big, heavy topic. We can get more into that. But last year, my consulting firm was acquired by the Bates Group. And I essentially focus a lot on helping companies with their compliance obligations. So I'm brought in to help for all things compliance. And so I want to talk about your journey of going from entrepreneur into this acquisition. And I think there are a lot of women who face these similar decisions, like, do I keep my own thing or do I go to the big thing? But I want to first ask about what would you say is going on right now with compliance? First of all, like just ground level, like how do you define compliance? And then what do you think are the big issues that we're going through right now? I guess one very kind of quick summary of the space right now is very complicated. For this industry, there is a lot happening right now from both the state and the federal levels. And so for me being able to help these companies manage everything that's happening, you know, all the different legislation coming up, what's currently on the books, how to comply with that, that is an absolute focus point there. It's something that companies, I think, are really striving to fully understand. And it's a complicated space. Yes, it certainly is. (laughs) I have been lucky enough to meet the SEC's Hester Pierce, who is known as like SEC mom. But I saw her speak, but I also, I spoke with her for a while before she talked and afterwards, and I keep up with her on Twitter these days. But Hester is one of those people who is kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. She has Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC. And by the way, I never knew who any of these people were ever, 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 or cared before I got into the crypto space. And now I'm like, that Gary Gensler, he just really annoyed me. And Hester Pierce, on the other hand, seems super logical and intelligent and desiring to kind of have a middle of the road, like simple solution to a lot of what's going on. And I just want to address this, like, I'm going to say my layman's perspective, and then I want you to correct me where I'm wrong and add anything, or maybe say your perspective on this as a person, as opposed to a compliance officer. So my observation is that the SEC is 
slowing the role of crypto as much as it possibly can by refusing to regulate a lot of it. And it is taking its own sweet time to do those regulations. But even as it has you know, supposedly created a crypto czar, like as of this recording, I think yesterday, they announced that anyone who is going to be creating the crypto regulations is not allowed to have any crypto holdings, which is to me incredibly disappointing and also completely outside of the scope. It's like saying like, oh, the people who regulate the stock market can't have any stocks. Like that's not accurate. It's not the way that it's been done. I could certainly imagine that people like Clarence Thomas and I think it's Daniel Alito, the Supreme Court justices should never have been making any abortion rulings, given the fact that they certainly cannot carry a baby to term themselves. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing where it's like, it just does not seem logical to me. And then there's another issue that I think we'll probably talk about in a little bit, which is the idea of these ETFs, the managed funds, where like Canada has approved and is running one. Now Australia is running one. The United States keeps turning down and has been turning down since at least 2012 that I know of the ability of Bitcoin managed funds to be legal in the United States. So I feel like there's this kind of like, let's put the brakes on and let's get the stupid people to make the decisions. And I'm not really sure why. So that's my layman's perspective on this whole thing. What did I get wrong? And what do you think? Yeah, no, so I think you hit a lot of it pretty spot on. To me, there does definitely seem to be a little bit of a power battle because you have a lot of Federal regulators, in my perspective, they want to kind of own the crypto space. They want to regulate it, but they don't necessarily know what to do with it and how. And so you do get these regulators, to your point, many of them, they've never really been active in the space. They're from either a simple user individual perspective. They don't own. They've never traded crypto, right? Or they've never worked in the space. They've never been an attorney or a compliance professional or just a business person in the space. So To me, it's hard to fully grasp the concept for making these regulations if you don't really fully understand it from the ground up. And so to me, that is a huge challenge. And while I love the opportunity to speak about compliance and regulations and just what's happening in the industry, because we need to educate people. And I think that's really part of all of our responsibility. Even if you're a layman, you're a user, you love to just trade, you're crypto curious, whatever role you play in the space from professional or just, you know, being a consumer, if you will. I think we have to help these regulators understand one that crypto isn't going away. No, it is here and everyone needs to figure out what to do with it in a thoughtful way so that we can regulate it and integrate it more so into our day-to-day lives. Let's back all the way up and let's talk about what it means to regulate in the first place and why we might need it versus not needing it. I've been on many different conversations about this as well, because I I can play both sides, right? I can play the side where should you have regulations on crypto, which the kind of the initial idea and intent is to kind of have that decentralized ability with crypto and what all the great things that that means, right? On the other hand, with my compliance hat on and where I am in this space, I can also argue the benefits of having some regulation. And so to me, I think that there is a balance and a need for both DeFi as well as regulated crypto exchanges, because otherwise I don't think you're really going to see that full adoption and people really embracing it and what it can be. 
So from my perspective, you're taking off my compliance hat and just where I would see if I could just kind of build the framework, right? I would have both. I would allow the opportunity to have both the DeFi and the centralized exchanges because I do think that if you will, the Coinbase's and your Robin Hoods out there, there is a certain audience that you know, that they will cater to and people will more, you know, some will likely go that route of wanting some kind of safety net and knowing that there is regulations and, and something to back it. But then there's also the flip side of it. Those who really, they don't want to go that route. Okay. So a couple of definitions for everybody. I hope that if you've been listening to Goddess of Crypto for more than five minutes, you know that DeFi is decentralized finance. And that means that decentralized means that there's no gatekeeper. There's no one single owner. In the case of most of this stuff, there's actually no central platform because like everything lives on cloud servers. And But specifically that there's nobody who is making the decisions as a single person or as a single unit. And that tends to be a good thing, tends, it can be not a good thing because people are still going to be people. But the exchanges, when Randy's talking about the centralized exchanges, that means like she mentioned Coinbase, she mentioned Robinhood. Coinbase is probably the most well-known, but we've seen several of these centralized exchanges, which basically hold your crypto for you. We've seen them go under. As of this recording, Voyager declared bankruptcy yesterday. And that's the Winklevi, the Winklevoss twins, who I mean, I would have said are doing this all day long. I would have said they've been in the crypto space since something like 2012. They're Bitcoin billionaires, both of them. They've done incredibly well for themselves. I'm sort of shocked that they kind of, I'll say, allowed this to happen. But I think that it really shows like how over leveraged the entire industry has gotten already. And now we're starting to talk about people's greed, which is probably a whole nother piece of this conversation. But regarding something being decentralized, it gives you more freedom. Something that's centralized, a centralized exchange means they're going to be holding what's called custody. So take custody of, they hold your coins. And there is an expression in the industry, not your keys, not your coins. And when you have a cold wallet, which means like a little piece of hardware that holds your coins, you have a key to that. And it's an extremely long set of numbers that no one in the world could ever remember. And then you have what's called a seed phrase. So you have like specific words that are bizarre and out of order. And there's usually somewhere between 12 and 24 of them. Very famously, by the way, the Winklevi went back when they were keeping their Bitcoin safe took copies of their seed phrases to four different banks in four different states and opened safety deposit boxes because they were that worried about not compliance or anything, but they were that worried about having something stolen back in the day. But anyway, we are starting to see the demise of some centralized exchanges because they tend to loan their crypto out and they're loaning it on margin. And then when Bitcoin's volatility has gotten so extreme, we were at 68,000 less than a year ago. Now we're down to right around 20,000. I mean, that's like a huge fluctuation. It's not an exceptional fluctuation for Bitcoin. It is not an even an exceptional fluctuation for stocks, but it is still pretty scary. And so what's happened is all of these over-leveraged people have gotten margin calls and have not been able to pay, have defaulted. And it's so big that it, well, like seen and it's a wonderful life, right? It's like that's causing a run on the bank and then the bank will go out of business. Did I get all that right, at least? You did. And I love the reference to the movie. One of my favorites. 
Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day. We were talking about the scene where Jimmy Stewart is standing and trying to stop the run on the bank with all the citizens. And he says, your money isn't here. Your money's in Joe's house and in Millie's house or whatever. And they all kind of didn't realize that. They all thought their money was sitting in the bank. But everybody still thinks that today you know, what, 80 years or 70 years later, I don't know exactly when the movie came out, but it was black and white. So it's been a minute. Then he says, well, how much do you need? And I remember the black lady comes forward and she says, well, you know, I need $10. And he's like, oh, thank God, like, it's going to be okay, because everybody then follows suit. And everyone really enthusiastically got behind, let's support the bank and let's keep the bank afloat. But I think we don't really think like that today. I think these days we tend to think like the bank is keeping our money safe. But if the bank stops doing that, like we don't trust the bank, but the bank's not keeping our money safe and the bank is loaning it out, not just a hundred percent, but multiples of what we put in. Randy, do you know what the multiple is, by the way? I do not. No one does. I was hoping you, because you're in the industry, you would, but no, no one like actually, they don't tell you, but I think it's probably like, maybe six to eight or even 20 times what their assets are. So that's like a whole other thing. But like, that's an example of why you need regulation and why compliance is so important because compliance basically means agreeing with and acting in accordance with whatever the regulations are, right? So let's talk about crypto not having any. What do you think some of the advantages to that have been? What's top of mind for me is the the Know Your Customer or KYC. That is top of mind for a lot of people and kind of the one point that many people can relate to. They don't want to overshare information. Information does get hacked. We have breaches. So do I want to provide my personal identifying information to an exchange that may not have the best security protocols? And so DeFi and those who don't require a lot of this upfront personal information yeah, that's one benefit that I've heard argue time and time again. It's a value add to not having that regulatory oversight. Yeah. And KYC is very interesting. I have done everything from like hold up my passport next to my face with a note saying, yes, I'm doing this on purpose and with my signature to just giving out my personal information. But we would do that for credit cards. And then, well, Citibank's database was hacked and that's it. So what do you think the solution is for that? I can see a balanced approach, right? Because again, as I stated earlier, I can play it kind of both ways. And for me, there's definitely ways and risk-based approach. To me and my compliance world, I use that phrase a lot. You know, what is the risk-based approach? Because for many of the companies operating in the space, you know, some are regulated by FinCEN, a federal regulator over more kind of the money transmission side of the crypto world. And so they do have certain things they have to comply with. Some are not regulated, but their banks require them to have some type of regulations themselves, self-imposed or bank-imposed. And so many of them will take that risk-based approach and they'll say, okay, so what can we do to ensure the safety of our customers, give us some assurance that we are actually doing business with Haley or with Brandy or whomever. And so some of the clients that we have seen will have a tier approach for when we do require ID, or maybe it's a liveness test to ensure that you're a real person and you're not you're just a system hack and trying to manipulate the system. So 
But I think there's ways that we've seen a lot of companies try to balance the approach between you know, being a good steward in the space, protecting the customer. So likewise, you know, for me, I don't want someone stealing my identity and using it you know, anywhere, but you know, things happen. So I think it's just more of even in that space of wanting less or no regulations, there are just certain things that are smart to do from a business and a risk perspective and fraud management. Yeah. And for me, I'm at the place where I want all of this stuff to be mainstream because I believe that it is absolutely the future of our finances. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I've been in the high-risk space a lot too. And to me, for it to be mainstream, you're going to have to see regulations that are none that will stifle the you know, developments and the businesses, but that will put safety nets and protocols in place there. Yeah. I mean, couldn't have said it better myself. You're absolutely right. And that is why it has to happen because otherwise I don't believe that it will go mainstream. And then we're going to have all kinds of issues at that point. I mean, Bitcoin specifically and crypto and well, really Bitcoin. I mean, I hang out with a lot of Bitcoin maxis and they're so far left leaning, they swing back around to the right. It's been very interesting to see how the extreme ends of political and social spectrum actually mirror each other. I noticed this actually at the beginning of COVID, both the far left and the far right were talking about the Great Awakening. And I was like, why are we using this woo-woo phrase? And why have we co-opted it all the way over here and all the way over here? But the truth is that it's, I think it's eventually we're going to realize, well, we're all one at the highest level. I hope we all get to that point. But prior to that, I think we're all going to realize that there's a lot more commonality, especially the extremists feel that they're all like the liberty loving people. And therefore, we will take liberty at the cost of so much else. And it's really interesting because I'm more centric as far as my desire for balance. So when I talk to somebody who's on the far left and who's been in, they've owned Bitcoin and they've been in the space for something like 10 years, they will say it has to be completely unregulated for us to be able to be free. And I just don't see a world where that's going to stay the case for much longer. Even if that's true on the highest level, I don't even know that that matters because it's not going to be what happens as we move forward. It's never going to be adopted by the mainstream so long as it is fully unregulated. And with good reason, because there's a lot of people who are so bad at this or so busy jumping on the bandwagon for whatever reason, because they're agreed that they're really not able to make sensible business decisions or, or investment decisions. And even for the people who are doing their own research and getting into it, et cetera, we still have this whole concept of social hacking and the rug pulls, the scams. I'm actually going to do a whole episode, I think next week on that, because it's just so prevalent. And it's basically about people trusting people and when people are not trustworthy. So I think we need regulation to help address that stuff as well. I couldn't agree more. And to me, yeah, I think you're spot on. We'll have to have good regulation to have full mass adoption. I think people are really a little skittish, especially right now with everything that's happened in the news recently and the kind of plummet of the Bitcoin price, as you noted earlier. There has to be something that brings people together to understand that you can operate in the space in a safe way. It will take regulations to, to do that. I'm just hopeful 
between you know, what you know, my role in the industry is and others like you that have that balanced approach as well, we'll be able to kind of help foster thoughtful regulations and with educated people who can fully understand that the purpose of the regulation shouldn't be to shut these businesses down and not have good options for people in the U.S. to go offshore to maybe exchanges or platforms that you really have no controls from a safety or a compliance perspective. So we need those good things here for that balanced approach. Yes, indeed. I want to talk about you personally. I want to talk about your personal journey. I think that As women, we need to see examples of other women having done well for themselves, whether it's in the crypto space or in the entrepreneurial space. And so I just love for you to share your journey. Sure. So for me, I guess the first thing is that I am a wife and mother of three, work full time. So I try to balance all of that together. And thankfully, I've had some great role models that I can also kind of lean into some really great women that have been able to balance you know, successful work as well as that life balance, which, you know, admittedly, there are times it's hard. You know, there's times where you feel like you're not doing either great, especially during COVID and your COVID homeschooling children and you're trying to work and everything feels like it's falling apart. You know, but for me, I've always really loved the compliance space. Uh, so I've been in compliance since 2004 in-house as a deputy CCO. And then I was recruited into- What's that? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yes. So I was working for a financial institution and I was helping to run their compliance department. So we had a chief compliance officer and I was the deputy to him working alongside with him. And it was a high risk space. So it was a payday lender that offered money transmission, prepaid cards, debit cards. And so the time that was also kind of the high risk area and space to be in. So we saw a lot of de-risking and losing of bank accounts in the industry. And we at the time, similar to what the crypto space is going through, try to look for thoughtful regulations and ways to say, hey, this is a legitimate space to be in. And we wanted to make that really thoughtful. And so from there, I was actually recruited into the consulting world in 2015 and spent a couple of years in a consulting firm and then decided, why am I not doing this for myself? Thankfully, I had a very supportive husband that you encouraged me to you know, start my own consulting firm. That was in 2017. And then last year, I met some great folks at the Bates Group. We first just started talking about ways to work together, to share clients and just promote one another. One thing led to another. And October, we were acquired by the Bates Group. And now Corecom was fully kind of implemented into the Bates Group and their team. And it has been fabulous. Just a wonderful ride so far. So great. What an interesting experience to go from consulting to your own company and then back into a larger entity. What do you think some of the advantages are for you at the bigger company? Sure. So for me at the foundation, I really love compliance. And so when the acquisition happened, I was able to give away some of my hats. So you know, leaning on a larger organization for HR and accounting and for all those things that for me just take up a lot of bandwidth that wasn't truly my passion. And now being part of the Bates group, I can focus more on the client work, more of what truly makes me happy, which is why I do consider it a great move. Yeah. In my coaching practice, and I coach mostly women, we talk about this all the time. Like, what's your superpower and give everything else away so that you can focus on that. And it's two reasons, though. One of them is somebody else is going to be better at the thing that you're not so good at, but that's the extra hat that you're wearing. 
But the other reason is what you just said. And that is, I can really focus on what I love and focusing on joy, joy begets joy and joy begets joy. So the more you do what you love, the more you're attracting that as well. And I think that makes a significant difference. So I like hearing about that. That's great. That's very important. I had Jules Taubman, who runs Women in Cryptocurrency, which is like over 10,000 people now on Facebook. I've been on since they were like at 3,000 and just kind of watched it snowball. And she was on Goddess of Crypto a few episodes ago, and she talked about the difference with men and women in the crypto space. She said the guy is when Lambo and the woman is when college education for my kid. And that was really, I think, important. And I'm going to define all that for a second. Just there's this bizarre thing in crypto where people just change the spelling of words and they've removed most of the words. So when Lambo actually means, and it's spelled W-E-N, actually means when will my crypto go up so much that I'm able to afford a Lamborghini? And then when college education, I think you get the idea, but that women are really looking at crypto as a way to see financial freedom. And men are more looking about how can I acquire more stuff or how can I get my more toys? Now, obviously I'm generalizing and we have exceptions to all the rules, but when you look at the crypto space, it's called a bro space for a reason. And I've seen a lot of women feel like they're getting marginalized in the space because women are getting marginalized still in the world. You know, our recent Supreme Court decision among them, we're still struggling at the doorway to the halls of power. And I think that when we are able to take back our own financial freedom, that that gives us so much sovereignty compared to whatever else is like being created for us by the well-meaning people who think they're helping us by giving us more, more of those regulations. So as a compliance person, like, what do you think about all that? You know, I absolutely agree. And for me, I have really been one of the few women in the space for you know, a while. I started in the crypto space very early, 2015. So it was very, very male dominated at the time. Still, you see more of the male presence. We were talking about this at the Bitcoin conference, right? You look around and it's mostly guys everywhere. I think I saw like 15% women. I think there were about 15%. That was my, what my eyeballs told me. Absolutely. I think that's what you, one of the reasons why I was kind of you know, drawn to you as well. We bumped into each other. But I'm like, hey, another woman here that looks like she's on a mission. And <laughs> it was great. And we definitely connected there. But it's really twofold too, right? I think part of it is educating women, getting them interested and letting them know that, hey, this is a space that we're welcome to also. Because while it has been largely male dominated, I have to say that I have at least been welcomed by my male counterparts and you know, different conferences and so forth. You do see the clusters of groups, but the people that I've closely worked with, I think really do appreciate the knowledge. And so when they do recognize the smart women in the space that really have something to offer and to bring to it, then that's helpful. And so that's why I really like seeing women that are very interested in the space. They bring such a value add from a different perspective. Because when you do have everything one-sided, you just lose that full perspective from that diversity aspect of it. I think is it's still missing, but it's getting better. Yes. You made a point just now that I think is so important. It's not that the men aren't welcoming. It's more that they're unaware it's just like, I mean, as women, we tend to walk around all day going, oh, I got missed by this thing or this guy didn't allow me in here or whatever at an event like that. But the truth is that everybody is just 
you know, it's like, oh, you got cut off in traffic, but not because the person in front of you hates you simply because they were oblivious to the fact that you were there in the first place. And so I give men credit for when I'm standing in front of them. I mean, I've had guys be like, what do you mean you're running Goddess of Crypto? Like, give me your information. I'm totally subscribing. I'm like, okay, that's (laughs) great, but so surprising to me. So, I mean, I'll see that a decent amount, but it's not that they didn't want to help. It's that they didn't know they needed to. There's still, I think most men, most people are good and want to help and want to participate. But I think men just kind of take this part of their experience for granted in a way that women can't yet. And so my observation is no guy is walking around the Bitcoin conference going, let me see, I think it's about 85% men here. They're just not, they don't need to, and they don't want to, and it's not on their radar. And that's totally fine. I saw something yesterday, our new Supreme Court justice was sworn in, Mrs. Brown, and I'm very, very excited about that. And there was a LinkedIn post and it just said, you know, I don't know, 119th or something, Supreme Court justice was sworn in today. And there was a big picture of her smiling. And somebody wrote and said, why does this have to do with race? Why does this have to do with gender? And I wrote back and was like, excuse me, nobody said anything about her being black or female. But it's really interesting because everybody just assumes that that's the conversation. But then I also said, look, when it's not an outlier, we can stop celebrating it. But as long as we are needing to point out that this is the first time this thing has happened, of course, we're going to get excited about it. And I think that when I first started Goddess of Crypto, I was like, am I going to get enough women to be interviewed? Am I going to have any problems? And no is the answer. Like everybody's excited about being on the show and everybody is also like excited to share with other women. And there's plenty of women to interview because there are, relatively speaking, I think there are a lot of women in the space. I think you're right there. And one thing that is very exciting to me is that all the women that I've been able to connect with in the crypto space have been so supportive of one another. So there's not the cattiness, there's not the what you think of traditional maybe business spaces where you have that competitive nature. And I'll say that we can't be competitive because we it's just part of you know, people's personalities at time, but everyone's been extremely helpful and wanting to encourage one another. And to me, that is really refreshing that we can build each other up so that we can support and see everyone's successes and be encouraged by that versus kind of using it as a downer, if you will, but using it as a way to say, hey, she is doing great things and I want to support her. And lets me say that I can do great things also in the space. Absolutely. Yes. If you can't see it, you can't be it is what Megan Contour says. And she runs a group called the Dames that's for women who are at or above six figures. And that was why she started the group was she said, hey, I think that women don't really know there are a lot of other women making in the six figures and above space. And I think that's really powerful to acknowledge that we need more examples. We need more Brandy Reynolds running around going, hey, look at me, because that's really helpful. Because you said, oh, I've been in here for so long. And relatively speaking, you have, but seven years is not a long time. Like the whole space is approximately 10 years old. I mean, Bitcoin dropped in 2000 or was created in 2009. 
but by around 2012, it was starting to be on people's radar for the very first time. And so you're looking at 10, 12 years since the platform existed. And I love what you pointed out earlier. I wanted to just go back to when you were saying about the regulations earlier. You said that you were in this space in 2004 of taking digital payments. Is that right? Yeah, so 2004 for compliance. 2015 in the crypto space. So 2004 is when I started my compliance at. Yeah. So, but what industry was that for? Yep. So 2004, that's where I started in the payday lending and money transmission space. Right. So, which you said at the time was like so high risk. Right. And so outside of the norm. So, okay. So 2004, it's been about 18 years. What would you say about that space today? Yeah, so oddly enough, that space has settled down quite a bit, meaning that regulators don't necessarily see it as the bad and the scary, nor bank partners as much. I think they've gotten a lot more comfort level with that space because they do have some thoughtful regulations. And I think that there's still also just a lot to be said within that industry also of still ways to maybe improve or enhance in general, from a regulatory standpoint, depending upon the discussion points and who you talk to. But in short, I would say it has definitely calmed down a bit as far as the scariness from a regulator and a banking perspective from where it was back in 2004. And so to me, I see similarities in the crypto space. You know, It takes that you know, comfort level, letting it be here a while, seeing what's going to happen. And then it's going to be very similar, in my opinion. Yeah, because people don't like change and new things scare you. Anything outside of your comfort zone scares you. I talk about this all the time when I coach. So I love that you absolutely hit the nail on the head for me. It, this, I think people need time to get used to it. And then they're going to stop talking about it like it's the Antichrist because there will be something new. Someone will have invented something new. They shouldn't have closed the patent office in 1908 after all. And that's a good thing. So to close out, I always ask the same thing. What is one more thing that you want women to know? I want women to know that you can do whatever you want. I mean, I know that sounds maybe a little cliche, but I've had, like I said, a lot of role models, a lot of great support. And no matter what space it is that you want to be successful in or enter into, the world's ours. We just need to focus on that. We need to you know, have a game plan, build each other up, support one another, and you know, work hard and you know, we can make great things happen. Yes, the Dalai Lama said the world will be saved by the Western woman. <laughs> and I have realized over time, especially moving into the space, he didn't mean women. He meant actual you and actual me and actual you if you are listening. So Brandy, thank you so much for being here. I'm super, super grateful to have gotten a chance to talk to you and get to know you a little bit, especially your journey with your entrepreneurial role and how you've been able to be so fluid moving to your own business and then moving back into a larger organization. I think that's a beautiful example for women. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of Goddess of Crypto, please like it, comment, and most importantly, share with all of your mothers, your girlfriends, your partners, your wives, your daughters, and your besties. I will see you next time on Goddess of Crypto. Every week. 
transformational wealth coach Hallie Evelyn leads a conversation that helps to ensure that women everywhere can learn to surf the coming tsunami of the new energy of money. You can find her at goddessofcrypto.me. That's goddessofcrypto.me. Be sure to subscribe to Goddess of Crypto on your favorite platform or watch the show on YouTube. And remember, wealth isn't just your privilege, it's your right. <laughs>